This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, we are back with another episode of Dear Black Girl, and I want to thank you guys for the continuous support, listening. Um, you can hit us up at Dear Black Girl Pod on our IGs. Tell us what you love, favorite episode, what inspired you, even what you dislike. Um, share your thoughts and whatever. But without further ado, Dear Black Girl, meet Angelica. Now, tell us about yourself, because I know you have this movement called Melanin on Wall Street. Yes. Tell me a little more about that. Um, well, Melanin on Wall Street was actually launched in 2016. I didn't fully release it yet until this year. So basically, it's an organization slash network dedicated to the career African-American and minority woman that's changing the face of business in corporate America. And you're also in law school, too. Yes, I am. <laughs> what are you studying? Um, right now, being that I am a closing director at my firm currently, I'm doing real estate law with a minor in criminal justice. So what do you want to do with that? Um, so I, I'm pretty much working in my field as a closing coordinator slash director. So basically with finishing law school and then taking the bar and stuff like that, my hope is to become a closing attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also thinking about dabbling into criminal justice because I feel like we also need more minority in the criminal defense cases and the criminal defense teams because, you know, within our culture, a lot of things get handpicked, tossed, thrown out. And I was just like, you know what? I think I want to dabble into that just so that I can help my community pretty much. So what made you want to kick off Melon on Wall Street? What made me want to kick off Melanin on Wall Street is simply because I got so tired of not seeing color in high places. Um, and in my field, you know, I work in real estate law at a property management firm. I'm the head legal liaison as a closing director. And I go to these events um, all the time and I deal with people who are, you know, not of us, you know, that are Caucasian or whatever. And I'm the only black in my company. So I just got tired of seeing not too many of us in high places. And I'm like, what can I do to help? You know, because I realized that even back in the day in the black Wall Street phase, most companies don't, you know, advertise that most black people were running those corporations back then, you know. So I'm like, you know what? a lot of black girls, it's our time. Like, we're starting to come out. Like, melanin is trending. Melanin is popping right now. And I'm pretty much was like, I need to start something for us because there's nothing in New York City. There's nothing in Atlanta. There's nothing nowhere that dedicates basically a community of like-minded individuals that's changing the face of business in corporate America. You see a lot of entrepreneurship. You see a lot of like, oh my God, quit your nine to five job, be an entrepreneur. You see those kind of things. And a lot of them are very cliquish, but you don't really see something that's dedicated to that doctor, that's dedicated to that nurse, that's dedicated to that lawyer, that's dedicated to maybe that teacher or that principal. You don't see stuff like that. You see more so, oh, I have a boutique. I have an online store. I have an online business it's mostly dedicated to nine to five. So that's pretty much why I decided to run with Melanin on Wall Street. And it's been growing and growing and growing. And I'm pretty excited about it. Quick question. Do you watch Insecure? Yes, I do watch Insecure. (laughs) So when you were talking about um, not seeing that many black faces in such high places, like do you identify with like Molly's character and what she's going through? You know what's funny? My boyfriend... Um, was like, you know what you remind me of? You remind me of Molly. Not in like that, like that phase, but like in that career phase. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because that's a prime example. Like Molly on Insecure, she's working for a law firm. She's been there a few years. She gets the jobs done. She's proficient in everything that she does. But it seems like because she's the only black and because she's a female, she's not getting the salary she desires. She's not getting that growth. 
And that's another reason why I, you know, wanted Melanin on Wall Street to exist so that we can talk about things like this and not feel uncomfortable and figure out how we can change this. Because me, honestly, sometimes, to be honest, I feel like, okay, well, I've been at this company for a while. I know I got what it takes. But sometimes you don't want to waste that time. And like Molly and Insecure, she was there for so many years and she's grown so much and she made built relationships and stuff like that. You don't want to kind of leave it behind. But when something forces you to basically grow, it's kind of like, okay, should I leave? Should I not leave? But I don't want to settle. And that's one thing I tell my young girls is never to settle on a job, never settle for a career, never settle for a man, never settle for mediocre relationships. Because what happens is once you settle, it's no turning back. So in Molly's situation, um, next season, I hope she goes to that other firm, get that check, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, move on from there. So what would you say to women that are in corporate America and they're trying to, like, figure out if they're, where they're at currently is where they should stay or if they should, like, try to move on to find something else? Hmm. What I like to tell people, even not just women, even just general conversations, when you work in corporate America, there's so many opportunities. There's so many networks. There's so much benefits. You have 401K. You have health insurance. You have... Tons of different things that can help pave the way for the things that you really desire. But the thing about it is you have to be smart about your decisions. Now, no one never wants to work for themselves. Everyone can be an entrepreneur. Like, for instance, an entrepreneur takes a lot of work. Like, you have to work literally 24-7. You got to build a team. You got to work from the ground up. Versus when you're working in corporate America, the team is already done. You're there to do a job. You have benefits. You can go home. You can cl- You can clock out do whatever you got to do, network, make contacts, so you can grow from there. So I would say, in my instance, I always use myself as an example, is I would stay in corporate America until I'm at the place where I want to be. Not settle in corporate America for a low salary in in the same position, but grow in corporate America and blossom because there's so many opportunities out there that you don't even know. Like I have friends who have job positions that make 90000 a year and above, and it's like positions that you would be like, did that really exist? <laughs> so I feel like you can definitely grow up in the corporate ladder. It's just, it has to be you. You have to work hard. You have to put in the work. You have to network. You got to figure out what you like to do. Okay, I know how to do this. I'm good at this. Okay, so let me go on Indeed or LinkedIn and type in keywords to figure out, okay, so, oh, this this position is there? I never knew this existed. Give it a shot. Like me, when I first started in my field, I was a fashion, I was working in fashion. I was a fashion background person. I was a marketing manager. And I started out working with Lisa Nicole Cloud from Married to the Medicine. Then I moved to Caragam, um, which is a New York-based high-end fashion brand that's shown Fashion Week and everything. I was their marketing manager. And I never would have thought that I would end up in real estate. Yeah, how do you go from fashion <laughs> to real estate? <laughs> you know what's funny? Everyone that I talk to, they're like... And like, you got to break it down to us. Like, because you went from like fashion and then you went to like across real estate. That don't even <laughs> coexist in like one, one moment. Yeah. I'm like, I know. But what happens is, is like, you know, I went to the high school of art and design. Shout out to my A&D peoples. I went to the high school of art and design in Upper East Side. I majored in fashion illustration and fine arts. Went to college, went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, started at Berkeley, was in fashion marketing. Finished that, worked a little bit, interned a little bit. I interned for New York Fashion Week. I interned for Harper's Bazaar, interned for Teen Vogue. I interned for numerous publications and even, you know, companies. And what I realized is that I love fashion. Like, fashion is one of my biggest passions. That's where Angelique basically, that's how my name was me, like, on social media and, like, being on fashion blogs for Fashion Week, people taking my pictures and stuff like that. But I came to a point in my life where I had to make a choice. Because when you're at that 25 mark, you're like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm like 25. I'm about to be 25 next week. Like I got to make a decision. <laughs> I'm like, oh, midlife crisis alert. Like, what the hell? I need to make a decision. So what I did was I talked to my boss, who I was a marketing director at Caragam, and I wanted a raise, right? Because mm-hmm. I felt like they wasn't paying me enough. Like, 
I was a marketing manager for this company. Like, I'm busting my behind. When I say I'm doing multiple jobs, I'm, bu- I'm doing model calls. Bad enough, I have to then coordinate the photo shoot, then hire the photographer, make, hire the models, orchestrate the photo shoots, do press stuff. Like, I was doing so much, and I felt like they didn't value my worth. So I stayed there for a while, and I'm like, you know, I kind of want to dabble into something else. I feel like fashion is one of those industries where you have to kind of like, they want you to crawl. They want you to keep crawling because no one got time to keep crawling and crawling and making like 30000 making 40000 a year. Like in New York City, how are we going to live off of that? Like seriously. Yeah. Like how, you, how are we going to live? If I want to live by myself, I cannot pay rent making that much money plus food Plus transportation. Exactly. All those expenses. So I was smart about it. I'm like, you know what? I need to look for other opportunities. So I was having a conversation with one of my friends. Her name is Trisha. Um, We went to junior high school, high school together. We've been cool, like close for so many years. Um, She's one of my Melanon Wall Street girls. Um, And she was like, you know, I work in real estate, right? I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, I think you should get into it. Actually, my company has a position opening for a sales coordinator position. I'm like, hmm, sales. I was like, mm, is this going to be like one of those like wholesale sales situations? Because, you know, <laughs> like working in fashion, I used to be a wholesale exec too starting now. So I'm like, I do not want to do cold calling, calling these people, <laughs> like doing buyer's appointments. I'm done. Like I'm, my patience is low. So I came in for the interview. Um, I told him about my experience. I'm like, you know, I don't have real estate experience, but this is what I can offer you. And this is how much I want to get paid as a salary. Hired. Didn't have no experience in real estate. But I had a proficient fashion background because I was always into the business side mm-hmm. that they hired me and had faith in me to be like, we like you. You're hired. Can you start next week? <laughs> I'm like, next week? Shoot, now I got to tell my job. Yeah, right, <laughs> I'm leaving. And that's how I pretty much got into real estate. It was one of those um, companies where... It was a property management firm, and I was a sales coordinator there. And what that entails basically is um, people who want to purchase condos or co-ops in New York City, I would handle, like, their purchase applications, process it, send it to the board, get them board interviews, um, schedule up their closings. I started out like that, working in real estate. And then I moved looking for better opportunities because, of course, you don't want to stay in the same position. Um, I moved to Wall Street. And I work for a firm now called Siren Management. And it's a pretty cool company. It's small. It's a man's world there against females. It's kind of hard. It's like a little, you got to show them who's boss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, being the only black woman there and the youngest black woman there, it, um, it's a little, sometimes it can be a little frustrating. Sometimes it can be very, I mean... You know, you just feel like as a black girl, you got to work hard. Like, you got to, like, prove yourself. You got to do the most. You got to just work extremely hard to prove your point. Like, like I can do this. Like, I'm a leader of this, you know, this department. And I feel like sometimes they look at you like, okay, like, let's see if she can do that or whatever. Even when I have closings and I'm with other attorneys that I'm working with, it's like, oh, you're Angelique. Nice to meet you. <laughs> It's like a shocker because it's like almost like they don't expect me to be black, I think, sometimes. Like, they mm-hmm. expect it to be like a white girl. So, it's you can tell always by like that first meet glance. Like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. So, you're the one I've been emailing back and forth. Yes, you know you've been emailing me. <laughs> don't try it, okay? But it's cool. I love it. I get so much respect in my industry. Um, a lot of attorneys that I work with, they always give me great advice, and they're like, you're going to go far. You got a good attitude. You don't take no BS. Like, you can tell. Like, you just like, I'm about my business. Let's do it. Let's let's go. And that's how I pretty much got into real estate. I love it. I don't even think I would go back to fashion. Somebody would have to drag me by the hills and be like, I'm giving you almost a $200,000 salary to do this in fashion. I probably still wouldn't even take it. Not even worth the stress. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So, song number five, what do you have? Song number five. Um, I have a song by Fantasia. It's called Leads to One Again. Basically, that song touched me because um, I went through, like in college, you know how you think those relationships are going to last forever? (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, girl. I thought this relationship was going to last forever. 
And I was engaged, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to be like, oh, this is going to be the guy I'm going to marry. He's fine. He's tall. He's light-skinned. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he, has, he had it going on. He took good care of me, everything like that. And I was in school. Like, he was supportive when I started my fashion business back then. And I thought this was really going to be the guy that I was going to marry. And then things just hit the freaking fan. Like, you really don't know somebody. It's like, people really can switch on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really switched on me. And I always try to be transparent about this story because most people aren't transparent enough, but I've grown to be transparent. So basically, in that situation, he wiped me out of everything. When I say, like, I compromised so much of myself within that relationship, gave, them, gave him money so he can get a condo, furniture the condo. Like, I'm going to school. I have my business. I'm booming. Um, he brought me, like, nice stuff or whatever, but he just wiped me clean. Like, took all my stuff, broke up with me, told me that um, he was like, we don't need to be together because you have too many goals. Are you serious? <laughs> so, <laughs> wait. So, tell me, wait, you have too many goals? You know what's funny? And the crazy thing is what attracted, supposedly... What attracted this guy to me was because I was very ambitious and I was very, like, you know, like, boss woman, like, oh, that's my girl. Like, she's making moves. But down the line, when you go two years in and starting getting deeper, three years in, it's like when he sees you busy and you, like, doing your own thing, it's, like, almost like, oh, you have too many goals. Like, I'm like, what you mean I got too many goals? Because I wanted to go to law school. I'm trying to finish school. I have my business. And I guess... Maybe his desires changed. He wanted the whole housewife thing. He even tried to persuade me to, like, even invest in a farm with his family. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yo, I'm from Brooklyn. How am I going to be on a farm in my six-inch hills, bro? Like, come on. That ain't happening. So that's why um, number five was my Fantasia song, Lose to Win Again. That song is Touches Me because it talks about how she lost everything and then she found a new love and she won again. And that song is so deep. I used to listen to it 50 times a day. Like, you know, it's okay to lose to win again. Because I feel like I won again now. Because I have a new man. He's good to me. And he doesn't say you have too many goals. And he don't say I got too many goals. He'd be like, babe, get to it, okay? Get that check. Like, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, so my boyfriend now, um, yeah, he's saying, he's talking marriage now, so. Which is kind of nervous. I'm like, mm, kind of nervous about it. But Why are you nervous about marriage? I'm not nervous about marriage. I think it's because I was engaged, like, in college. Mm-hmm. To, um, the, to the too many goals guy. Yeah, to the too many goals guy. And then now that I'm engaged, if, I'm, if I become engaged again, because that relationship was very public. We were on blogs and everything. So if I become engaged again, I felt like, you know, I don't know. I think it's maybe, I need to not give a fuck what people have to say. Mm-hmm. Forget it. Forget that thought. Because I started thinking about it. I'm like, is it because people are going to be like, oh, this is a second engagement? But that's probably one of the reasons why. Because I was like, oh, it's going to be my second engagement. I know people be talking, but who gives a fuck? No, but I still think that's crazy. Like, when you just, before he said that and broke it off, were there any red flags? Okay. Honestly, there was red flags. But I was, you know when you're young, you're like 21, 22. This was like, this is like, I lost my virginity in college. So it's like, this is like my first, like, real thing. intimate. Oh, my God, it's my first real relationship. Like, he fine and everything is just going so fast. We're going on vacations. He buying me Chanel bags, Louboutin. He's freaking giving me the world. All that stuff starts blinding you. You like, okay, I got everything. But then signs start to come when you have really deep conversations like about future stuff. Mm-hmm. Before we were on the same page. We really were. Like we were really on the same page. But you know when you're young, people grow, things changes. But I felt like to this day, I felt like he had somebody in his ear, um, which most people think they felt like they had somebody behind him. Like, like his his dad, I call he, this guy that I call um, his dad, basically like a father figure. Um, they felt like I was too opinionated. I talked too much. That's wait, that's still because, crazy you, because they were like they were like fake religious, like. They like I grew up in a Christian home, but it's like they tried to take us to the seventeenth power. Like they wanted me to be like housewife, go to church, live in church. I couldn't where be myself. Is, like how? From? Huh? Where is he from? Girl, he is from. His dad is from New York too, and 
he my ex is from Virginia. Um, he ain't that far gone, trust me. So that situation, I try to tell girls all the time because I mentor these young girls. And I just be trying to tell them, like, you never know somebody. Just make sure you pay attention to the signs because a man will dress it up and make it look like everything is good. But they can be sole distractions for your purpose. And then, like, <laughs> one day, it's always, I was like, what the fuck happened? Yo, literally, I came back from New York to go to Atlanta. I came home. I was like, this is a whole different person. I don't even know who you are. And the fact that my friend, one of my friends was with me, and she's looking at him, too, like, yo, like, do you see his face? His face, he has no remorse right now. Like, he's just like, yo, give me my ring. This is not going to work. I don't want to be with you tomorrow. You got too much goals. I honestly felt like it was something else. Like, maybe he was seeing someone else. Or could have been intimidated. He could have been intimidated. Like, one thing about him is that he respected me. Um, So even if he was cheating... He respected me that much that I didn't find out. Because most people think, oh, well, you think he was cheating on you? I'm like, there was no signs of cheating because we were always together. And when we weren't together, I mean, he was with this douche lord dad <laughs> who tried to persuade him, like, that's not the one for you. You need a you need a, a house, a housewife, bro. Oh, my God. Girl, yes. But um, I always try to tell young girls, like, you know, don't settle. And I thought about it now, like, as I'm older, I'm 26 now. And back then, when we broke up, it was I was twenty four, twenty yeah, I was twenty four. Um, and when I think about it now, it's the growth aspect. I look at it like, wow, I would have been a bird in a cage. And no female wants to feel like they're in a bird in a cage. Like you should be able to be you. You should be able to be free. You should be able to be happy. You know, you want to be yourself. You don't want to feel like, oh, I can't say this. Oh, I can't do this. I can't dress like this. Oh, I got to wear my hair like this because I don't know what he's going to say. You want to just be you. And if somebody can accept for you for who you are, you need to just dip. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for mediocre relationships. If he's not putting the effort in to keep you, if he's not putting the effort in to show you that he loves you and value you and appreciate you, just go. It's a toxic situation. And, it, and, if, it, and if you stay longer, it becomes even more dreadful. I'm going to live in testimony of that. Song number four. Song number four. What's my song number four? Um, Tasha Cobbs. It's a gospel song. It's called Break Every Chain. That's like my go-to morning like worship song. Like God is going to break all the chains. And it's not just for me. Um, like my mom is a breast cancer survivor. And that song I used to play for her. I used to be like, mom, like don't worry. God is going to break this chain. And I told my mom and my grandma, I'm like, I'm going to break the cycle. Whatever cycle we have in our family, whether it's mediocrity, whether it's settling, whether it's, you know, being stagnant or financial, I want to make sure I break that chain so that God can bless us to know that we're going to have everything that we desire. We're going to have everything that we want because he does want us to have everything that we desire and everything that we want. So, yes. Tasha Cobbs, Break Every Chain is my number four song. So you listen to like every morning? Mostly every morning. That's my first song that I wake up to. So like what's the importance of like having something like that, like that keeps you going all the time when stuff gets hard? When stuff gets hard, um, it's always good to have that one song or that one artist that you can turn to. And, like, Tasha Cobbs, outside of, like, Beyonce, because I'm a beehive girl. <laughs> um, Tasha Cobbs, when it, when it comes to, like, a spiritual level, I feel like she gets it. It's like she puts you there. She puts you in that position where it's, like, you're at your most vulnerable state. And all you have to do is, like, you know, cast all your cares to God and be like, God, like, this is what I need to happen in my life. This is what needs to change. If you need to remove people from, you know, this that's distracting me from my goals or in, getting in the way, jealousy, hate, envy, whatever, just remove it from my life. Protect me when I go out the door. Keep me safe because there's so much stuff going on out there. So that, she helps me a lot. She puts me there because I'm, I'm not religious. I'm more of a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. So she definitely puts me there when I can just, you know, when I'm in the shower and just talk to God and be like, God, thank you for my blessings. Thank you for the places I didn't even see yet or the people that I even meet, or the people that I'm going to cross paths with. Just, you know, help me to motivate them, inspire them, touch them in any kind of way. 
um, help me to be nicer <laughs> and more approachable. Because <laughs> I feel that's so hard because um, people always think I'm mean, but I'm like, I'm not mean. Like, I guess it's because my face is just like... It's like the rest of bitch face. Yeah, I don't really smile. Like, even in my pictures, like, you see my Instagram, like, I don't really smile that much. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I smile when I'm happy. I laugh, you know. I hee hee ha ha. But I mean, I just want to, you know, be more approachable. Because when people get to know me, I'm like so sweet and so nice. Once I open up to you, yeah. So everyone, I'm very nice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Have people told you that you look mean? Like how often? Okay, so it's not that I look mean. People always just say like I look very like stush. (laughs) <laughs> like they're like you look like when I first met you they used to like when I first met you you looked like very stush like we don't know whether how to come to you like whether to be like oh hi I follow you on Instagram and you're dope I'm like but I'm so friendly just be like what's up but they're like but I guess it's the way I carry myself my aura I'm always serious mm-hmm. so it's kind of like I guess I have that I don't know it's natural like I can't help it <laughs> like am I supposed to just walk around smiling all day? Not if it's not for you. I know. I just can't do it. But I'm I promise you, like I'm very approachable. I'm very approachable, very friendly. I love to laugh. I love beautiful women. Like I find it funny that a lot of people they go off a person's appearance. Appearance. And like they make up a personality based off <laughs> if they smile or not, or if they just have a resting bitch face or not. And it's like you really can't get to know a person until, like, you actually get to know them. That's what I always say. I'm like, I'm not going to, I do the same thing. Like, sometimes I feel like we have a bad habit as females. We like to prejudge people. Sometimes I've learned not to prejudge people. Like, I had to learn that from years. But um, I realized, like, you know, we can't really prejudge them. Like, we got to see for ourselves. Like, I always try to tell people, um, you have to really just take a shot at it. Like, just say hi. Or, you know, just see what's up. Like, see, get to know that person for themselves. Don't care about what other people say. Because what I learned from people is that people will drag something out and make you not like somebody. And then when you get around them, they're like, you like, <laughs> yo, she's, she's cool as hell. Like, what do you mean? I don't see what you're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that you're not for everybody. Your energy ain't for everybody. You ain't for everybody. Everybody's always going to have something to say. Everybody's not going to like you. It's fine. Like, you know, so you just got to move on and not prejudge people. Which is hard because we're human. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard because I do it all the time. I'm like, I'm try- it's like my face. It's just my face expressions. I think that's what it is. My face expressions be like, I just kind of be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want you in my life, girl. Because you know what I realized is, like, even starting with Melanin on Wall Street is that some people are genuine and some people aren't. And then some people just want to hop on a bandwagon because they see it's popping. Because, like, when I first launched it publicly, like, literally two months ago, um, when people started seeing it on the Internet, like, everywhere on the Internet, like, oh, my God, that event I keep seeing online. Like, do you need anything, girl? Like, like let me dm her let me see what's up with her we should get dinner we should get brunch like but i haven't spoke to you in so long or that interaction hasn't been organic it's like it's hard because you don't know who's like really genuine who's being real nice about it who's like really genuinely trying to come through and support or who just want to be a part of something because of the name you know what i mean yes i do so that's the only thing about when you pre like prejudging people like you gotta have that my my mom and my grandmother call it some name I guess a gift of discernment like they used to say like it's an old school thing like you gotta like people you feel their energy like you could tell if someone's being genuine or they being phony with you it's like girl bye like you wasn't even hitting me up you wasn't really checking for me but now you see me make a move now you wanna be hitting me up you wanna be DMing me you wanna be friends you wanna go to brunch now I'm too busy <laughs> I'm busy. (laughs) All right, song number three. Okay, song number three. I have Hello, Beyonce 
Have you ever heard of Hello Beyonce? I've heard like every Beyonce song. You better be a beehive. Because if, <laughs> if you wasn't a beehive person, I was about to be like, you know what? This is over. I, How could you not love Beyonce? I love B. I really do. Oh, my God. One of her songs is going to be my wedding song. What song? Let me guess. No, tell me what song. What? So she remade Desiree's Still Love Kissing You. I, I love that song. song. <laughs> oh, my God. song i like no okay even though hello is like okay the reason why i picked hello it's it's like a little like corny story but the reason why i love hello by beyonce is because when she talks about jay-z like it make you be like damn so when i first met my man in like summer of 2015 i was like damn he cute (laughs) but you know like you know what's funny i was with a i wasn't with a guy that i was like dating but i was kind of like talking talking to to. yeah so i was with him and i saw him and we all were like it was kind of like a friend hangout thing i was still living in atlanta like you know how you come to new york oh let's link up have fun so he invited his friends whatever and i'm like you know okay so the guy that i was talking to was the ugly friend okay (laughs) let's clarify that (laughs) so um Basically, so he comes in, and my boyfriend comes in, Danny comes into the spot, and I was looking, because I was like, damn, he cute, but I don't know what he is, because I was like, is he like Puerto Rican and black? Is he Dominican? Is he just a light-skinned black boy? Like, I don't know what he, I was confused, but he's, okay, he's Boricua, he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> but I was just like, damn, he looked mad good, and the crazy thing is, his brother comes, um, to meet us too. So I go get his brother from outside of the bar that we was at because they wasn't trying to let him in. And the bouncers be loving me. I used to be a bottle service girl back in the day. Mm-hmm. They be loving me. They be like, who, who, mommy, who? I'd be like, my brother. You're going to let my brother in. I don't care if he has a hoodie on. That's my brother. And they be like, okay, okay, mom. You got it. So I, he, I guess he looked at me like, yo, she really went out, you know, the whole mile to get my brother. So when I first met him, he had me at hello, literally. Like, he spoke to me. He was like, hi. And I seen it in his eyes. Like, I saw, like, you know how you, (laughs) yo, like, if I can explain to you, like, it was like a tingling feeling in my soul. It was like a, like, (laughs) I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I'm with this dude. I'm like, damn, I'm with the wrong friend. And my friend like, yo, what's up with that? I'm like, I don't know. They like, the dude feeling you. So the whole time. We hanging out. My boyfriend currently, he was all over me, checking me out, like, getting me a drink. Like, it was crazy. I was like, no, he bold. <laughs> if you don't, keep, you don't care, huh? Like, you bold. So ever since then, we've been inseparable. Like, I love how he is. Like, I love his swag. You know, he's from Brooklyn, too. He's Puerto Rican, but most people think he's mixed. Um, It just reminds me, like, when Beyonce talks about Jay-Z, like, you found me at Hello, like, I love how you protect your friends and you make sure, you know, we both have separate lives and you make sure you take care of me too. And when we come back together, we good. And that's what I love about that song is because it also reminds me about me and my spouse. Like we both have two different lives. We come from two different backgrounds. I'm way more busier than him, but he doesn't get mad about it. It's kind of like, okay, babe, I got you. I'm going to support you. But when you get back home, you know you mine, right? No phone, <laughs> no nothing. <laughs> So it reminds me about how he had me at hello, and we've been inseparable ever since, literally. We have not been apart. Did you ever think you were going to find that after the first relationship ended? I wasn't even looking for it. I was not looking for it. At that time, I was so focused on myself, having fun. That's usually when you get hit. I'm like, (laughs) you know what's crazy? I was on my pimping, like my pimping phase. I'm like, yo, I'm about to start dating Whenever, if I have time for you, I have time for you. Like, you're going to take me out, whatever. But at that time, I wasn't even looking for love. Like, I was, you know, still trying to heal myself. And that's what, one thing I was focused on at that time. I was, like, healing myself. Like, learning myself again. Learning what I liked again. Learning what I desired again. Because when you get into relationships that's toxic or is not really meant for you, you start to compromise yourself a lot that you're not even the same person that you really were supposed to be. You're a whole different person. You're a person measuring up for another person. Your personality is basically changed to adapt to somebody else's lifestyle. So I felt like I had to learn myself all over again. And when I learned myself over again, moving back to New York City, it was like the best decision of my life. 
I was like, it was like almost like Stella got her groove back kind of thing. My friends was like, yes, let's go. We going out. We going to house, girl. We going to Avenue. I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. I wasn't even looking for it. And we both were in, like, situations. Like, my boyfriend now, he was in a situation that was very toxic that he'd been wanting to get out of for years. But, um, I mean, you know, situations, how situations are. You don't want to, like... Do somebody you dirty or and it becomes hard to get out of. It, yeah, it becomes hard to got, get out of because you've known that person and you don't want to hurt them, and then two, you don't want to leave them hanging. And my boyfriend's the type of guy that he takes care of everyone, so that's basically what it was. So back to the guy that you were on a date with. How did like? <laughs> how did this you know work what's so out? funny? I knew you was gonna go back to this. I was like. <laughs> Um, I knew you were going to go back to this. I was like. <sighs> <laughs> I really want to know how that worked out. Like, okay, so. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. To be honest, guys, you know, women, we, we, we're, we're very interesting creatures. That's, that's to say the least. But. That guy, he still exists. He's still friends with my boyfriend. But he don't feel no type of way. <laughs> you want those crazy? Okay. This actually... No, 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 no. This... Because I thought... This actually happened to, like, one of my best friends, her parents, and it's just like, really? That's how they met? Well, how did this switch up happen? She's like, girl, I don't know. I just know they got friends with my brother. And, <laughs> and they're married now. They've been married, like, for over 20-something years. You know what's crazy? That's mad funny because I feel like that's me. That's going to be me. But you know what's funny? Me and my... Okay, so when me and my boyfriend first started talking or whatever, we kind of was being discreet about it because we was like, dang. like, Because my boyfriend... I'm, this is how I looked at it. Like, if you don't care, I mean, I ain't his friend. I mean, so that's your boy. And then I was kind of like, dang, but I feel so bad because it's like, I didn't expect this to happen. <laughs> First of all, my boyfriend got my contact because he slid in my DMs on Instagram. Like I didn't that night when we all was together, I didn't give him my number. Mm-hmm. So I went to Atlanta the next weekend. I was, he his birthday was literally two weeks after that, and I told him to come to the A. He came to the A. He didn't come to the A. So oh. the dude that I was talking to came without him. So I'm like, what happened to Danny? Like, <laughs> and he had a question like, why are you checking for Danny? <laughs> He knew, okay, so Danny was always cool. Like, he was, I don't know, we just instantly, he was funny, like, you know. And I used to always ask about him. I used to be like, oh, so how's Danny? Where's your friend? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) I felt so bad, but it's just really awkward. It was awkward at first because as a female, you don't want to get labeled. And I didn't feel like I was being like a hoe. It's not like I was, like, really dating him. We weren't really, like, on that level. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how that looks. And then I, <laughs> and then I ask my friends, I'm like, what should I think about that? They're like, girl, that was not your man, okay? That was someone you were talking to. Yeah. Like, you only seen him a few times, girl. Bye. Continue. <laughs> but it's funny because my boyfriend, um, he started putting me, like, on Snapchat. And he was on my Snapchat, and the guy follows both of us. So. Oh, God. <laughs> and then I started feeling mad. We started feeling very, like, crazy because before we even publicly started, like, taking videos or taking photos with each other, it's like he knew we were together. Like, the dude would be calling him. He'd be like, yo, I think this nigga knows. Excuse my language. Sorry. I think this dude knows that we're together. I used to be like, why? He like, he calling me. <laughs> I used to be like, yo, this is crazy. So eventually, I guess he said, yo, I'm going to have to talk to him and tell him, like, what's going on. So I guess when we first was, like, you know, dating, he was like, yo, I'm kicking it with Ange. Like, nobody can tell Danny nothing. He's a Leo. So, you know, he has he's a strong personality. Like, I'm mm-hmm. kicking it with Ange. Like, you been kicking it. <laughs> like, I don't know what was the response. But I knew he felt some kind of way because he distanced himself from Danny a little bit. And my boyfriend used to be like, he must have really liked you or something because, you know, like, I mean, you dope, so I, I don't blame him. But he must have really liked you and you probably didn't know because he feels some kind of way. Like, he don't even really, you know, bang with me like that. Like, he distanced himself. But my boyfriend didn't really care anyway because 
my boyfriend felt like they were more like acquaintances. They were not like best friends. But then I looked at it like, well, you invested in his company, so I mean, you gotta be a friend and do that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't care. He was kind of like, maybe it was meant for him to link us together, kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks how we met. I mean, but things happen. Could you imagine? You know how some of our parents met? Please. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because I can only imagine, it's like, damn, have I not invited him to that happy hour? <laughs> Right? Because you that was it was meant. Like, it was like, what were the odds? Like, I didn't even know. Like, I wasn't even checking for Danny like that. When I met him, we hung out or whatever. We've been inseparable, but I wasn't, like, hitting him up or trying to find him. I mean, I would ask about him from time to time because his vibes was cool. His brother, but his brother was instigating. OD. <laughs> Shouts out to Jules. Oh, my God. He was instigating OD. He's like, yo, my my brother like you. Yo, and she pretty, and she brown skin, and she got the pretty toes. Bro. <laughs> I used to be like, yo, they crazy. And she curvy. Because back then, a few years ago, I think I was a little bit thicker. Being in Georgia, I was just eating up a storm and partying. And <laughs> there was nothing else to do out there but eat and smoke hookah and party. So I gained a little bit of weight. And then when I moved back to New York, I was kind of like a little bit depressed. And I lost a little bit of weight. Now I'm getting my weight back. But yeah, his brother was the one that kind of fueled the fire. It's like his brother kind of like knew. He's like, yo, like, what's up with her? <laughs> you feeling my brother? I used to be like, yo, this dude is crazy. But <laughs> it is what it is. I love him. And he loves me. And yeah. Song number two. What is song number two? I have Faith Evans and Donald Lawrence say a prayer for me. Um, that song basically talks about Faith Evans. She's saying, God, I come to you very humbly. Um, and I hope that you listen to my request. Just say a prayer for me. So basically asking God to just cover her, heal her, um, give her the needs that she desire. Just hearing her out. It's basically like just that intimate talk, like that conversation that you're just like, God, like, you know. Just say a prayer for me. You know what I need. You know everything I desire. You know what I'm going through right now. It's just a transparent moment where nothing else, when all else fails and doors are closed and it's just you, like you're that vulnerable person. You can just be like, everything is wiped off. You don't got no clothes on. You don't have your makeup on. You got your lashes on. You don't got no weave. It's almost like you're pulling off layers of your true self and you're being vulnerable to say, look, come protect me. Say a prayer for me. You know what I need. You know? Just keep me in mind. Protect me. I'm very spiritual, so I always have my, like, ratchet music, and then I have my spiritual music where I'm like, okay, girl, you need a little bit of toning down. You need some layers <laughs> to come off a little bit. Get in there. But, yes, that's one of my favorite songs, Faith Evans and Donald Lawrence, Say a Prayer for Me. Have you ever had that moment where you... No, you sit there and ask God, like, yo, I need you to, like, really just <laughs> get me through because I'm about to lose it. Girl, I think I had plenty of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had plenty of those moments where I'd be like, yo, like, I would be crying, like, God, help me, like, you know, help me with my temper, help me to be more calm because... The thing is with me is that I'm a very patient person, but sometimes I feel like people, they take advantage of your patience and they like to push your buttons. So even like in relationships, whether it be your personal life, whether it be a job, you're just like, oh my gosh, like I need you to help me. And you just become vulnerable and you're just like, you know what? Like sometimes I don't even say nothing. I just be just sitting there like, you know what's up. <laughs> so you know what's up so i need you to rain it down on me real quick because um yeah i need you right now i need you to make a way for me and i need you to help me so i def i think everyone has all those moments where it's like they break down or they become weak and it's okay to be weak sometimes like sometimes you have to be vulnerable you can't always be tough because i used to be like that i used to be the tough cookie like Oh, I'm tough. Nothing's going to happen. I got this. I can do it myself. I can fix it. I'm always trying to fix it. But then I realized eventually, like, a woman can't take but so much. Like, we can't take on those loads. 
And then what happens is you take on all these loads, like your heart begins to be so heavy. And it's just hard to like carry all of that weight. It's almost like that Instagram picture that goes around on the internet where it's like, she has like her relationship, her finances, and the girl is like walking up the ladder. So illustration. I'm, who is that? I don't know who that. Who I don't know. That? But it's like each year, and it's just like, like everything each year on is the a back. different one, and she's like carrying a bag, and it's like so much. So it's like as women, we carry so much. Like, and I try to tell like men that too. I'm like, do you not know how hard it is to be a woman out here, especially in today's society? We carry so much of a load. Some loads that you would never even know. Some loads that you, it's within, it's deeper than what the eye sees. So that song right there is basically just a transparent moment where like Faith Evans is just asking God to say a prayer for her. Like, you know what I need. Like, you know my desires. Just help me. It's just one of those moments where it's like, I'm here and I'm being transparent. So when did you realize you had to like stop being so like, tough and like I can handle everything like when did you realize that I think I realized that at like 25 (laughs) (laughs) and I'm only 26 (laughs) so that just happened like um it just happened literally maybe a year ago I came to realize like after my relationship my past relationship that helped me and mold me to basically learn myself and to be like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be weak. It's okay. Like, you don't have to be strong. And that was, I think, the most vulnerable I've ever been. And that's the first time my friends ever seen me like that before. Like, I, when I say I was crying, I was, like, crying almost every day. On the phone, my friends crying. I can't believe this. Like, crying. Like, just being so transparent where it's like, you don't even care no more. It's like, yo, I'm me right now. Like, I'm... I'm destroyed. Like, I'm hurting. I'm not perfect. I'm hurting. Even though people see Angie as a career woman, as a woman that's always doing it, she's always making moves, she's always traveling. Like, you have people don't see that sometimes. It's so much that goes on behind those walls. And eventually, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't be the tough girl no more. I had to be vulnerable and I had to talk to somebody. Like, I had to be like, I need to talk to you because if I don't talk, then it becomes, it built in again. Then I have to be the strong person by, by battling it on my own. So that's pretty much what helped me and what molded me to become more vulnerable and more transparent. And I feel like when you're more transparent, like, doors just open for you even more because you don't even know who you're touching. You don't even know who's listening to your story and you're like, wow, like, she's dope for being transparent. Like, I didn't even think I was going to be this transparent today. But it, you don't know who you're helping. Somebody could listen to this right now and be like, wow, I kind of went through that same situation. Like, I was with a guy and he took everything or he left me for dead or he didn't really care or whatever. So it's just all about, you know, just being transparent and letting people know that you're a human. And it's okay. Song number one. Yeah, I'm not gonna, you're not going to believe what my song number one is. It's a trending song right now that's popping all over the place, and it's my motivation right now. <laughs> Can you guess? I'm going to guess Bodak Yellow. Yep. <laughs> I don't dance now. I make money moves. I ain't got to dance. I make money moves when I see you. Yeah, that's my Yo, that's, that's number one for me right now. That's I think I love me some Cardi B. She's I like my inner ratchet. Like, you know, I'm not like a ratchet, but like. I wish I if could I be could like, be super yeah, ratchet like, and not care, <laughs> yes. So that is definitely my number one right now. Shout out to my girl Cardi, Cardi Gang, Cardi B. <laughs> um, and the reason why I picked that song because I love a woman that's like from nothing and get into it. Like, and she's so organic. Like, it's not like she's pretending to be someone she's not. She's like just being herself. She's popping like. And she's not kissing nobody ass. She did this. This is hard work. And her lyrics, she's like, I don't dance now. I make money moves. Like, she paid a... How much she paid for her teeth? She paid... She got her teeth fixed. She... She paid a grip. I don't know She paid a grip, right. She She said, I paid a grip for my teeth. For me. Like, so... When I listen to the lyrics for that song, it just makes me feel good. Because I feel the same way, like, right now in my life. I'm like, I don't dance now. 
I don't I don't hang with certain people. I make money moves now. Like it's all about growth now. It's kind of like you got that right to be cocky now. It's like when I see you in the streets, that don't mean I don't bang with you. Like don't come over here when you was hating on me, throwing dirt on my name, all of that. Like don't come over here now. And I feel like that's kind of where I am right now in my life. Is like I'm kind of blossoming up, kind of like Cardi, like with my organization, with my career, with my personal life, with everything. Everything is just growing, and Bodak Yellow is my song right now. I love that song. That song's like so. I you don't know. Even, I was like, it's so empowering. Like, it's, 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 isn't that the new woman empowerment song right yes, now? Yes. Like, someone even Josh. said that. Who was it? Somebody famous said that's a woman empowerment song now. Was it Tracy Ellis? I can't remember. Somebody oh. said it on Instagram. I don't know if it was Tracy Ellis or Jada Pickett. It was somebody. They was like, they love Bodak Ghetto's like woman empowerment. That song is a woman empowerment song right now. And at my event, I'm definitely going to make sure that DJ play it. So we all can be like, I don't dance now. I make money moves. Because I do know um, corporate women love trap music, which is another event Not I'm actually corporate women. about to oh, all launch. corporate people. Yo, one time my best friend told me this story about um, back when he was working in finance and banking, went out to this happy hour, DJ throws on features fucking some commas. Next thing you know... All these white dudes in suits just going crazy. Yo, white people love our culture. They will never... You know what's funny about that situation is, like, no matter how much they, like, try to oppress us and make it seem like we're not better than them or we're not valued or we... It's like they always want to try to keep us back. And I feel like if it wasn't for us, there wouldn't be no America. Mm-hmm. Like, we built this. We're the ones why things are running. We're the ones running these companies. We're the ones giving ideas. We're the ones that are inventors. Black people are the most talented people in this world. And I feel like we don't get enough credit. And even when we do get a little bit of credit, someone still try to play us. It's like, yo, can we just not get all the credit? Like, come on. Because they don't want us to shine. It's like, we can never have a up. It's like, they always got to one-up us. Even in, like, the corporate ladder, it's like, if me and a white girl are together running for the same job or we wind up getting hired both because they was like, damn, we're so good, she's going to probably get paid more than me. But why? I'm just as good. But it's like we always had to constant, constantly prove ourselves because that's what they've done to us for many years. They brainwashed us. They made us feel like we were dumb. They didn't want us to read. They didn't want us to learn. But they wanted us to do all this stuff for them. Like when I found out the history from... um how Wall Street was built, being that I work on Wall Street, I always wanted to, I always looked at little details. Um, and I'm like, this had to be some kind of, like, slave something because the water was, like, right there. They used to be, like, the slave port, like, where they used yeah. to sell the slaves and everything on Wall yeah, Street? Yeah, it used to be a slave port. Um, the Black Gotham. I went on the Black Gotham tour, mm-hmm. which is also my one of my sponsors for my event. Um, I went on the Black Gotham tour, and we learned the Black Wall Street and how... We basically were slaves. Like, they were drop us off, and some of us would run these companies. But they don't want us to know that, though. They don't want us to know that there were black slaves who were in corporate America. They don't want us to know that. They want us to just know that we were, like, beaten and raped and horribly treated. But there were some black slaves who were smart, that knew how to count, that knew how to read, and stuff like that. And that's how a lot of the Wall Street was built, off of black people. So... By all means. I'm going to have to go on that tour. <laughs> you need to... Okay. I'm definitely have to go on that Let tour. Let me tell... When I tell you I went on this tour, I need to go on more of his tours. I'm like, between like school and everything, I need to go on more, more of his tours. We should You should come with me. Like, this tour, when I say it's an eye-opener, because this stuff, they don't teach you in school. Like, when you think about it, our history is so, like... It's, it's like, dimmed down. Like, they want us to just make, like I said, they want us to feel, make us feel like we were just slaves and raped and beaten. And, you know, like, we had the worst of everything. But in reality, we made so much and we've done so much. So, I don't know. It's just, you need to go on that tour. Like, I literally was like, wow. I even told my mom, like, mom, you have to go to this tour because you would never know how New York was made. New York was made off of Blacks. We built this. This New York City, black people built this. And you will never know. So, yeah. We need to go to the Black Gotham tour. 192 Front Street. Um, I think it's a dope experience for all young black people. 
whether you're a minority, whether you're Spanish, whether you're black, I think it's very important to know about your culture. It's very important to know about your history and just see the stuff that they don't show us. So he definitely offers um, tours. I'm not sure what kinds, but he definitely does them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to Google that I'm going to have to Google that Yes, you need to go because, honestly, I was so impressed because he's a young man or whatever. Um, And I was so impressed because even, like, listening to somebody that's my peer show me history, and even he still digs up more history to teach us because there's a lack. Like, how will we have, how will we even known that though? How, how would we even know? Never. How would I would have known that we have, we had a black Wall Street? Because like the only black Wall Street they really tell you about is the one in Oklahoma that got burned down. That's it. It's like, yeah. Got and I see that's always promoted, like that whole black Wall Street. But I'm like, no, um, talk about the Wall Street that um, was in New York City. Like, there were black people running these companies, but they don't want to tell us that. And to this day, working in corporate America, we still have to go through so much. They don't, it's like, I used to be always the only black girl at these events. And sometimes I used to be feeling like the token black girl is like, I feel like, and they hire you because they want to look like, okay, we got one smart black girl. No, being a token black girl is the worst feeling <laughs> in the world. Because I felt like that in the fifth grade. My mom put me in this all-white school. It was, like, probably, like, three black boys in my class. And I was the only black girl. I just felt like the token black. And this was my first time. Because I've always been, like, all-black Catholic schools. This is my first time being in the all-white Catholic school. I was just like, yo, I'm so out of place right now. And don't you feel awkward? That's how I feel at work. Like, when I'm at work, I literally come to work eat my breakfast, do my stuff, and leave. Like, I don't even talk to nobody. Like, that's how crazy it is because it's just so awkward. And, like, I just feel like even, like, some of the women that I work with, it's just, I don't know. It's just, you feel it. And I'm not the type of person that's going to be kissing your butt or, like, we don't got to speak. We can just, if I need you for something, I'm coming to you. I'm going to be respectful about it. Um, I need you for this. This is, Show me this. And I also feel like if you're a token person and, like, you do... Because you have to keep your distance because if they do get super comfortable with you, that's when, like, their slight prejudices and racism might come out. And you're Girl, just like, let me tell you. <laughs> I want to do a panel on this. Let me tell you. So, I had... um Even though I got a weave in now, like, a long weave, my hair is still long, right? Like, my hair is probably, like, under my boob, like, right here. So, one day, I went in my job. I had with a Dominican, took my weave out, got a blowout. So, I didn't want to wear my hair curly, but then it's, like, I feel like they would look at me, like, how'd your hair do that? <laughs> <laughs> you see what we got to go through, though? Like, it's just, cra- it's just, like, mad crazy. Like, do you see what we got to go through? Yeah. So it's like, uh, I came with my hair curly at work because I'm gonna be looked at as so weird and like I get so many questions so, or yeah. Can I touch shit? <laughs> I have friends who go through that now at work and I'm just like, we need to talk about this. So this is like a topic we need to talk about. Like you should be able to go to work with your hair curly if you want to. Like, why do we have to settle for these standards with these companies? It drives me crazy. I remember like this type of society standard being implemented like back when I was in school because I went to like an all-black Catholic school majority of my life and basically you had to have your hair done a certain way boys had to have like a certain cut like you couldn't have braids or dress like you had to have like low-cut Caesar with a deep wave as Beyonce would say and you just had to like just be presented and look in a certain way you couldn't look quote-unquote like what they would call a hoodlum and like you're teaching this to kids that are like five and six years old like little boys oh i can't have cornrows or dreads or grow my hair out it always has to be cut a certain way so i can fit in with society and little girls are like oh my hair can't be in a supernatural state because it's gonna it's unkept or it doesn't look done like it all has to be like neat slick back and fresh because i don't know like just being natural was not looked upon as upkept in school growing up and i agree with that and it's, it's sad because it puts you it's so much 
honestly, as a woman, as a black woman, don't you feel like we're so uh, oppressed with society yes. standards? Like, I had a point, a time where I was like talking to my boyfriend. I'm like, oh, babe, I think I want to enhance my butt. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I think I want to get my butt done. Why? I'm like, because it just looks better. Like, it looks more sexy. And I feel like... It looks better when you look curvy. I felt like I was having like I'm like, Dan, do I have a little girl body? I know I'm like curvy and I'm small, but I'm like, I don't know. Society definitely puts pressure on you because I fell in the trap. Like I, I did. Like I fell in the trap. Like you know what? Like I want to go get my butt done. I want to look like you know curvy. nice and curvy. And he was like, you are curvy. I'm like, I know, but don't you like them big booty girls? <laughs> <laughs> And it's like I have a butt, but it's not like I don't. I would never want no drastic butt, but I wanted to add like a little enhancement, like maybe three inches the most. <laughs> but he was like, "Nah, like you good. You don't need that." And I'm just like thinking about. It. I'm like, "See, I fell in the trap." You go on Instagram, you go on social media, you see like all these girls getting plastic surgery, getting their butts done, getting their boobs done. And then you start to fall in that hole of the pressure of being a black woman and wants to be selected. I think most of these women, they want to be desired. So they go through these things to get desired. And get, like, the attention and whatnot. And no one wants to be sexually desired all the time. Because even I had to be realistic about it. I said, okay, if I get a, if I get my butt done, then that means everything I wear is going to look sexy. Like, even I wear work, even if I put on work clothes, whether it be a pencil skirt, whether it be a pantsuit, my butt is still going to look sexy. And that's not what I want. You don't want people to not take you serious because it's like, why she always dressing sexy to work? So it's like, you got to pick your battles. I'm good. Y'all can have the big butts. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want your legacy to be? What do I want my legacy to be? That's a good question. I want my legacy, if God was to call me home tomorrow, I want to leave back behind an organization like mine to know, you know, whether to love yourself, never settle, um, work hard, and I just want to create a platform that can outlive me, so that people know like this was the girl that's this is the young woman that started this organization. She was just like you, like I'm just a regular girl from Brooklyn, um, and I made it. Like you, I want people to understand, even just young females to understand that you don't have to like be the bottom of the barrel. You can be up there. If you want to make six figures, you can make six figures. If you want to make seven figures, you can make seven figures. You don't have to sell your soul. You don't have to sell your body. And that's the legacy that I want to leave behind so that women of our generation, the generations after us, they know, like, never to settle, grow. You have options. You have multiple options, okay? Because I feel like the reason why I started my organization is to show that we have those options. Like, look at all these careers that these women have. You don't have to settle for this mediocre career. You don't have to settle for this mediocre job. You can have, you can make good money doing something you like. There's options. You don't have to sell your body. I mean, to each his own. But you don't have to do stuff that you're not really comfortable with doing. And that's the kind of the legacy I want to leave behind. I just want, even if I have a daughter, I have a niece, so I look at that too. I'm like, I want my niece to grow up and admire me and be like, you know what, my aunt is popping. Like, she's elite. She taught me this. She taught me that. She made sure that I felt like this because I think what it is now is that women grow up in a household where they're not told that they're beautiful often or they're not told that you're special or you're smart or, like, let's put you in programs so that you know that you can work in technology with the guys. You can do IT with the guys. You can do this with the guys. Like, you want to show that them show them that there's options, and that's basically the legacy that I want to leave behind is them knowing that I left this organization and I left my spirit with people just knowing that wow, like there's options for me. There's more to life than selling your body or dating a rich dude to get it. You can get it on your own. So before we go. You have to give us your Dear Black Girl open letter? Yes. <sighs> this was like, when I was writing this, I was like doing this before I went to sleep. I was getting all deep. I was like, Dear Black Girl. <laughs> I don't want you to feel like this. 
Because <laughs> it's so funny because I was, I'm like, talk, I was saying it out loud. And my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I'm working on my dear black girl letter. Okay. <laughs> Pump the brakes. You ready? Okay. Dear black girl, you are, you are a powerful woman. There is no challenge you will face that you cannot handle with grace, with focus, and with a level head. You deserve to be prioritized, fought for, and respected. Don't be afraid to share your beautiful and your skin and to know that you're beautiful and your skin is divine. Dear black girl, whenever you feel ugly, remember that they want your style, they want your lips, they want your hips, they want your hair, um... They want your ass, they want your clothes, they want your music, your swag, your aesthetic, the way you speak. You're a walking treasure. They may say they don't want you, but they want everything you are, all of it. Black girl, I know we're so used to being everything to everybody. Black girl, your, your calling is beautiful. Moving upward in the direction you have been preparing for. Pray and be by your side at all times. Hustle and make sure that you're al- you're aligned in the right places cuz life is all about giving what you put in worry about your corp- your corporate job the one that you're in now whether you're finishing college whether you're finishing high school you can take on any challenge and know that you're climbing the corporate ladder breaking racial barriers at your company breaks breaking chains and just knowing that you are the black girl, you're an inspiration. Know that you are breaking cycles, you're tearing down barriers and strongholds, and just don't stop being the girl that you are. It's our time. We're just getting started. Be unapologetically you and understand that you're a beautiful black girl and adjust that crown. <laughs> <laughs>